2: So, like a lot of people, Twilight was a big part of my teen years. Um, Unfortunately, I got bullied quite a bit for liking it, so by the time the last movie came out, I was kind of burned out.
3: I met Deborah Trages in the town of Forks, Washington, at a festival for fans of the books and movies known as the Twilight Saga. She's from Jefferson City, Missouri, and she's been a Twilight fan on and off since the eighth grade.
2: Actually, at one point, I was walking in the hallway and I had the books ripped out of my hands and tossed to the floor. And of course, when you're a middle schooler, everything's traumatizing and terrible anyway. Because it's middle school.
3: Deborah is now 26 years old. She has the demeanor of a former theater kid who's about to go inside a building and crush Don't Rain on My Parade from Funny Girl at Karaoke, which is exactly who she is and what she was about to do. When Deborah was a kid, being a Twilight fan wasn't the only thing she got bullied for.
2: I was bullied for like being weird and having sh- liking show tunes and being a theater kid and having cystic acne and a stutter. And it gets a little bit better because I find a theater community, I find well, that I'm accepted, and I find friends. But the crazy thing is, as Twilight became popular, so did the hating against it.
3: And as Deborah saw it, there was something different about the way people were hating on Twilight. Because it wasn't just the usual haters, and it wasn't just Twilight they were hating
2: started coming from intellectuals and people that I considered friends and people I thought were my equals and the narrative was not only just Twilight is stupid is Twilight is stupid and if you like it you were also stupid
3: the Twilight Saga was one of the most important things to happen in our global pop culture this century but outside of its loyal fan base, it has rarely been taken seriously or treated like the sea change cultural moment that it actually was. And yet, it has endured, in spite of the fact that it gave haters an excuse to make fun of millions of women and girls like Deborah Tragus, and because of what those women and girls did next. Hold on tight, Spider Monkey. From higher ground, it's The Big Hit Show. I'm Alex papademos This is The Big Hit Show. It's a show about the biggest hits in the world. The people who make them, how they make them, how they become huge, and what we the fans do once we hear them, watch them, love them, and make them all our own. Stephanie Meyer's Twilight novels have sold more than 100 million copies. The five Twilight movies, starring Kristen Stewart as human girl Bella Swan and Robert Pattinson as her vampire boyfriend Edward Cullen, made over $3 billion at the box office, with very little help from male moviegoers. Simply put, hits do not get much bigger. But what's more fascinating about Twilight is that thing Deborah pointed out. For all the love there was and is for Twilight, there is also a huge amount of visceral hatred. There are very few things this popular that have also been so loathed. Twilight and the whole phenomenon around it tells us everything about who we are, the worst parts and the really good parts too. It's a story that changed Hollywood and transformed the lives of more than one generation of fans. And whether you're in the demographic for Twilight or not, I'm telling you, these fans have a lot to teach us. Chapter 1 The Warm Hug of Problematic Love.
4: I was basically a fan. I was just a fan who hated it.
3: Constance Grady is now a culture reporter at Vox. But in 2006, when she first picked up Twilight, she was a 17 year old who spent a lot of time at a Borders bookstore.
4: I just, I thought that it was a terrible book. The sentences were so clunky and the characters were so flat and literally nothing happens for about 200 pages except for a lot of gazing and face touching. But I just could not stop turning the pages.
3: The book Constance is talking about, the first Twilight novel, came out in 2005. It was written by Stephanie Meyer, a Mormon stay-at-home mom from Phoenix, Arizona, who'd never published anything before. In the first 200 pages, we meet Bella Swan. She's a high school girl who moves from Phoenix to the tiny town of Forks, Washington to live with her dad. It's a pretty typical young adult novel setup about a protagonist thrust into a new situation who has to adapt and fit in. But one interesting thing about Twilight is that everybody in Forks is super into Bella right away. At first, Edward, who's really a hundred-something-year-old vampire but has to keep going to high school so nobody figures that out, Is all like, get away from me, Bella, because as it turns out later, he's fighting his urge to drink her blood, which he says is, quote, like my own personal brand of heroin. Eventually, though, Edward and his familial pod of vampires become like a second family to Bella. Bella also meets Jacob Black, who's a werewolf, and his wolf pack becomes like a third family. As much as Twilight is a daydream about having a sexy vampire boyfriend, it's also a fantasy about being popular and loved and accepted.
4: Who doesn't like this fantasy of being a shy, lonely kid, but secretly everyone thinks you're great? That's incredibly appealing for a lot of good reasons. And it did appeal to me. I just could tell that it was it was working on me on some sort of primal level, and I really resented that.
3: There are, to be clear, plenty of legitimate reasons to dislike the Twilight books.
4: I think there's absolutely a very strong argument to be made that Twilight romanticizes deeply unhealthy relationship dynamics. You know, Edward does stalk Bella and he does control her. And that is presented as romantic in really troubling ways.
3: We didn't use this word back then in quite the same way. But there are lots of things about Twilight that are problematic, starting with what this famously romantic novel thinks romance looks like.
4: I know someone who said that she realized when she was in high school that she was in an abusive relationship because of the discourse around Edward and Bella. She, like, saw the the checklists going around and was like, oh, all of these apply to me, too.
3: But especially back in the 2000s, the majority of the people proclaiming their hate for Twilight didn't hate it because Stephanie Meyer had weird ideas about relationships. They hated it because it was popular. And more to the point, they hated it because of who it was popular with.
4: The level of vitriol towards Twilight, and specifically to the fans who enjoyed it, was so intense and so focused on shaming them for their bad taste rather than being like, hey, I think there's some issues with the sexual politics of this series. This is
5: really, really exciting. This is one
0: of...
4: One thing I always remember is um, like a prank show where this comedian, he advertised an early screening of one of the movies, I think, New Moon, and got a lot of girls to come in like with their boyfriends and get really excited about watching this movie. And then he comes out and yells at them for wanting to see it.
3: This happened in 2009 when a comedian named Skylar Stone posted a fake movie premiere invite on his Facebook page telling people to come to a magic show theater in Santa Monica to check out a special screening of the second Twilight film, New Moon. By this point, Twilight is a huge deal. New Moon was actually premiering that same night across town, and people had been lining up for days so they could be the first in line to watch Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart coyly not acknowledge each other on the red carpet. The video Skylar shot that night is still on YouTube. And today, it's just sort of painful to watch. It starts with many, mostly female Twilight fans lining up, barely able to contain their excitement. They take their seats. A friend of Skyler's comes out on stage wearing a tie, pretending to be a guy from the movie studio. He says to the audience, Are you ready to see New Moon? Everybody screams like, Yes, we are. Yes, fuck yeah. Bring it on. And then the guy goes...
1: You- going to see twilight new moon tonight this is a vampire intervention
3: the curtain opens there's no movie it's just a guy skylar stone wearing aviators indoors yelling about a vampire intervention making gross jokes about robert pattinson's hair
1: you came to a magic theater to see twilight new moon on the very same night that new moon is premiering in westwood so if you want to see new moon I suggest you head to Westwood. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to go now.
2: There is no toilet
3: screen. People start making their way to the exits. Some of them seem angry about what's happened, but there's a bar at this magic theater, and most of the people walking out just seem tipsy and a little annoyed. Like you would be if you went to see a movie and there was no movie to see.
4: What makes that prank funny is not, oh, Twilight has some troubling sexual politics. It's Twilight is really stupid, and the people who like it are really stupid for liking it. And they're stupid for liking it specifically because they're attracted to Edward Cullen, this character designed for girls to be attracted to. It's all bound up in this contempt for women and their sexuality in ways that are distinct from what is actually troubling about Twilight.
3: We tracked Skylar down to ask him about that night. He told me that, for him at least, this prank was almost ideological. He said all his pranks were.
1: I did try and mostly go after, like, corporations or just whenever, like, America seems like they're at a trough and we're all just, like, on a Friday night watching the same thing, like, whether it's Harry Potter, Hunger Games, Twilight. These things have just become so big why does everybody love one thing? Like, just love what you're into. Why do we all have to, you know, go towards this one thing?
3: Skylar is still sort of proud of the Twilight prank, regardless of what other people think about it.
1: My grandpa famously always said to me fuck him if they can't take a joke. Like I've always thought like a, it's a joke is a joke is a joke. It's just it's just I'm just being funny. You know what I mean?
3: Have you looked at this footage recently? Have you seen this thing?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, well no, I mean not that recently, maybe like 2 years ago.
3: I mean, cuz it just kind of looks like you're yelling at these women
1: and just Hold on. Yelling at these women. You're on a stage with a microphone calling them idiots. Like I don't think my answer is like I was a piece of shit back then, so that's why like it's 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 it's, so, it's not black and white. Like I was kind of a piece of shit back then. So there was some of that in there, but then also there was some of like, it was just kind of there. There was a lot of people also taking it down. But we were all kind of making fun of it. You like that's what comics were doing. It was it was a moment. That's what we you know what I mean. It's just it's no different than like I mean you ever looked at it? Go on YouTube and look up Jay Leno Monica Lewinsky montage. Like that's all he talked about for like two years was Monica Lewin. So like as comics like that's just what happens. There's these moments... Like I don't really feel like making fun of Twilight now. Well, I mean, do you see the difference though
3: between like a takedown of Twilight and a takedown of Twilight fans?
1: Can we? Like- agree that there's maybe
3: two different things there
1: no because i really was making fun of the lunacy of it the 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 hysteria sometimes for things is sometimes just what i'm you know like i guess there is a difference but like you're 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 assuming that i was just making fun of twilight i was making fun of the the moment and look skylar's right about one thing He might be the only person who
3: lured a bunch of Twilight fans to a fake movie screening in order to mock them to their faces and film it. But back in the day, Skyler was by no means the only person making fun of Twilight fans for liking Twilight.
6: I believe there's a problem with America today, people. And that problem is something called Twilight.
3: When Twilight Mania was at its peak, The books and movies were a go-to punchline in late-night talk show monologues and an endlessly renewable resource for YouTube ranters hungry for hate clicks.
7: Thought it was gonna be about a bunch of badass vampires who wanted to kill people and drink their blood. But no, it was some teenage
3: who didn't want to kill people. Instead, he just wanted to be sensitive and play piano.
6: Twilight is like the, the culmination of everything wrong with cinema and uh,
2: the <laughs> idealisms in, in in girls these days. I think to Twilight is one of the worst singers that has ever come out in the last hundred years. Well, it's official.
7: I hate Twilight. I hate the movies. I hate the books. I hate the fangirls. I hate the team Edward and team
3: Jacob. I hate all of that. In 2009, when mostly female, very excited Twihards flooded Comic-Con to freak out over an early glimpse of footage from New Moon, the guys didn't take it well. Looking back, it was one of the first skirmishes in a war that rages mostly on social media to this day, between superhero movie fans and fans of literally anything else. That year, you saw angry dudes waving signs that said, Twilight ruined Comic-Con, and Nosferatu didn't sparkle, And a young, mostly male crowd stormed through the convention halls chanting, Twilight sucks. (laughs) And let me put this out there. Around the same time Skyler was doing his thing, I was making fun of Twilight too. And talk about punching down, I was making fun of Twilight in GQ and the New York Times Magazine, which meant I could pretty much count on nobody in the audience disagreeing with me. At least Skylar did it out in the world, where Team Edward and Team Jacob could have teamed up to kick his ass. I was a smug dude with a perch in New York media telling my readers, don't worry, this thing all these girls like, doesn't matter. We can laugh at it. Like, allow me to reaffirm your assumption that this thing is unworthy of serious attention. And then because this was right when the whole Marvel thing was starting to pop, I'd turn around and write another piece about why we should take comic books seriously. Skyler might be full of shit, but back then, so was I. At some point, when enough people are making fun of something, that mockery becomes a kind of cultural pressure it can make people second-guess what they love.
5: I distinctly remember sitting in the theaters, being really excited. You know, the movie's going on, everyone's loving it. It's palpable.
3: This is Angel Maimoni. Her Twilight story is a bit of a journey. An on-again, off-again, way-back-on-again relationship with the story of Bella and Edward. It all began in middle school. When Angel saw Twilight in the theater for the first time, she had a moment of completely unbridled enthusiasm. And then in almost that same moment, she felt it die.
5: And then one Mr. Robert Pattinson opens the door, walks on screen, and almost the entire theater, myself included, just shrieks. I would say like teenage girls, but we were, you know, (laughs) like we were teenage girls. And I remember my friend just looking over at me and being mortified that I had fallen into that trap of screaming for an actor.
3: This was a friend who'd been right there with Angel while both of them were falling in love with Twilight. And if you don't get why that one mortified look was enough to make Angel question her own feelings, you have maybe never been 14 years old.
5: And then shortly after that, I started to notice that Twilight wasn't cool anymore And so I started to think that Twilight wasn't cool anymore.
3: Constance Grady from Box Again.
4: I think one of the big projects of mainstream feminism over the Thames was unpacking this idea that things made for women are inherently less than. And eventually I would come up against my Twilight hatred, and I'd be sort of like, you know what? This whole property does have severe issues, but the extent to which I hated it doesn't feel commensurate with those issues. It feels like I hated it because I kind of liked it.
5: Everyone knows, the whole population knows, Fast and the Furious movies are just pure entertainment. There is no deeper meaning, but the fans of it don't get hated on. Girls are taught that the things they like are dumb. And instead of just saying, oh, okay, Twilight's dumb. Instead it became, Twilight's dumb, so therefore Twilight fans are dumb. Right? If you like this thing, you are less than. That's, I mean, that's hard to hear for anyone. But especially for, like, a teenage girl who's, you know, just trying to find her way in the world and and be cool.
4: this idea basically is some people deserve to have their silly self-indulgent fantasies be indulged and some people don't and the people who don't are girls
1: please welcome in they're performing the number one video on total request live It's in
2: doing tearing up my heart guys
3: to understand why twilight originally became the phenomenon it became we have to talk about the cultural moment that produced it and to talk about that moment we need to talk about the moment right before that moment we have to talk about the early 2000s we have to talk about boy bands
7: I'm Maria Sherman, and my book is Larger Than Life, A History of Boy Bands from NKOTB to BTS. That is New Kids on the Block to BTS, if you don't want to do the mouthful of the acronyms.
3: Maria's book traces a certain strain of highly enthusiastic music fandom all the way back to the 1800s. But her focus is on modern pop, and by extension, the tendency of gatekeepers to summarily write off any artist with a big teenage fan base including the Disney-trained pop stars who took over MTV around the turn of this century.
7: A lot of their successes has to do with the success of MTV's TRL, Total Across Live, hosted by Carson Daly, um, which began on September 14th, 1998, a date I do not know why I've committed to memory, but I certainly have.
3: Before we go any further, full disclosure, I worked for MTV around 2016, long after all the stuff we're about to talk about happened.
1: Welcome to Live MTV. The Backstreet Boys live today, and what an amazing sight it is
6: here at our Times Square studio. I'm Carson Daly. Welcome to the show. Unbelievable. The TRL, Total Request Live, was a daily top 10, top 10 most requested videos of the day in a big studio overlooking Times Square, a studio we used to call The Fishbowl. That's Dave Holmes. He was an MTV
3: VJ from 1998 to 2002, and he guest-hosted TRL a bunch of times. And while sometimes Dave was up there in the studio, he was mostly down in Times Square at the heart of the madness. I forgot until this moment that you were actually, at least
6: Carson was in a room, like he was safe. Yep, yep, (laughs) yeah. I was outside with the kids and their moms and it was the moms you really needed to watch out for the scream the the 60 minute din of uh, a thousand children screaming it was a noise that was unusual it was it was fun to hear because it was like it showed us that we were doing something right. We were a part of something that will be important in a kid's life. Like when they're 40, they'll look back and remember that time that they stood in Times Square screamed at a window the way that I remember, you know, Thriller and, and, you know, all that stuff. It was great. Pay attention throughout history to what teenage girls scream at. They're always right. Always.
2: 3,000 screaming teenagers are at New York's Kennedy Airport. To greet, you
1: guessed it, the Beatles.
3: The Beatles went on to take drugs, grow facial hair, meditate and break up. Taking them seriously is now its own industry. Chances are the pop music section of your local bookstore contains whole shelves on the Beatles and Bob Dylan and a few books about everybody else. And yet, we keep having to learn the lesson that serious adult pop stars often start out as teenage fads. And that when you write off an in in-sync, a Destiny's Child or a One Direction as record industry con jobs, you're at minimum missing the potential of a Justin, a Beyoncé, or a Harry Styles.
7: We don't think of like young women as tastemakers until the thing that they've liked has been recognized by other institutions we value.
3: Maria Sherman
7: again. It's the like Teen Choice Awards to Grammy Awards pipeline, right? Like teen girls were first on Taylor Swift and first on the Beatles and all of these things that are now sort of recognized as being reputable, valuable music or art or what have you. But when they like it, it's sort of seen as less than. I think a lot of it is this perception that young women are really only interested in things that like trigger their lust or idolatry as opposed to actual art appreciation.
3: Why does society write off the pop cultural things that young women like?
7: I hate to say it, but I think it's really sort of easy and boring misogyny.
3: But MTV and Total Request Live were also part of a broader, weirder cultural moment. Those early 2000s teens who were watching Britney and Christina and the boy bands flaunting grown-up sexuality in ways teen stars never had before Those kids also grew up in the golden age of abstinence-based sex education. In 1996, Bill Clinton signed the Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Reconciliation Act. Among other things, this legislation attempted to address a supposed link between teen pregnancy and poverty by funding abstinence-based education programs for teenagers, including funding programs to teach kids that, quote, sexual activity outside the context of marriage is likely to have harmful psychological and physical effects.
7: I do remember getting the pro-abstinence education. There was no condom on a banana for me.
3: And as the 2000s wore on, things got even weirder, especially on TRL.
7: Under George W. Bush presidency, we see this pro-abstinence agenda be- kind of seeps into a popular culture. We see the Jonas Brothers wearing purity rings. Jordan Sparks is wearing a purity ring. And these are the people who become the sort of face of, like, new youth, kid, teen pop. Miley Cyrus, Hilary Duff. A lot of these pop starlets who become the sort of post-Britney, post-Justin uh, generation, they're all sort of supporting this pro-abstinence thing in a really direct way.
6: It was very sexy, but also very shamey at the same time. Former TRL VJ, Dave Holmes. We gave Britney Spears a lot of attention for being kind of sexy, but then also a lot of finger-wagging for being sexy. We didn't, by the way, do that to any of the boys. The The boys were free to take their shirts off in the rain and, you know, thrust their hips like aerobics instructors to their heart's content. And and it was never like, oh, that's too sexy. And it was never, there was never a question about whether Justin Timberlake was a virgin. It was only uh, the girls who came in for that kind of, you know, shaming and wrist slapping. It has to actually have been like being being a, a teenager any teenager in 99 has to feel a lot like being a queer teenager in 1984 which i was which is like you're you're like full of hormones and you get no information whatsoever other than don't you know what i mean like for us it was don't also it will kill you but like teenagers got these kind of mixed messages of like sex is awesome and fun and fascinating, but also don't do it. Just don't do it.
3: If you grow up with authority figures telling you that premarital sex isn't worth the risk of certain doom and pop culture telling you that it's fun and cool while also telling you to safeguard your virginity, you might be the target audience for a work of art that squares that circle and speaks to the contradictions in your heart. And for a lot of people, that's what Twilight did, by being both extremely horny and extremely Mormon.
4: Very horny and very Mormon is a great way to put it.
3: Constance Grady from Vox again.
4: I think part of what makes Twilight so powerful, especially for teenage girls, is its own universe in which sex literally is impossible, right? Because if Edward has sex with Bella, he'll kill her with his vampire string. But that means that sex is kind of everywhere, like... It's all about the gaze, Edward gazing at Bella, there's hot face-touching action, and those moments become incredibly erotically fraught. So you kind of get the excitement and the allure of sex without having to worry at all about the danger of it.
2: Right, well, you wouldn't... You wouldn't know it, but it's actually your first time on TRL. Obviously, you've got a very big fan
5: following. Um,
3: TRL stuck around until the fall of 2008. But before the show took its final bow, one very special vampire was invited in.
4: The thing is, it's your first time here in TRL. We thought we'd ask you a few questions and try to get to know Rob Patterson. How does that sound?
1: I'm, I'm fine. I almost had a heart attack. I'm mean, It really
3: sounds like she's saying Patterson, but that, of course, is Robert Pattinson, who looks as uncomfortable in proximity to the screams as anyone who has ever been on TRL. He doesn't seem to know what to do with his hands, but does what he can to respond politely to some very dumb interview questions.
5: What would you say is your best characteristic?
6: Oh, uh, (laughs) I really don't know. Maybe my uh, ankles. Your ankles?
3: The last episode of the original Total Request Live aired on November 16, 2008. The first Twilight movie opened in theaters just five days later. TRL became a dinosaur in part because social media platforms like YouTube, Tumblr, and Twitter were giving young fans space to talk, create, and scream about their obsessions without a basic cable network setting the agenda. And it's those exact same platforms that will help propel Twilight to the top of the popular consciousness connecting fans and giving them new spaces to transform what fandom looks like. And also giving Judgmental Dudes new forums in which to hate on it. Whether you know it or not, you're living in interesting times. It's the Twilight Renaissance. It kind of started during the pandemic, when a lot of people, including a lot of grown-up Twilight fans, found themselves locked down, bummed out, and looking to escape. We don't have data on just how many Americans fell back in love with Twilight after they found themselves sheltering in their teenage bedrooms next to well-thumbed copies of Stephanie Meyer's books, possibly while doing some ostensibly unrelated but complimentary inner child work in Zoom therapy and telling their teenage selves, you're okay, it's okay to like weird stuff, but we've talked to many, many Twilight fans, and anecdotally, it seems like that kind of thing happened a lot. And then in July 2021, all five Twilight films hit Netflix. For a day or so after that happened, the top five most watched things on the platform were all Twilight movies. Meanwhile, on the explosively popular lip Funtimes Fun Times app known as TikTok, the discourse around Twilight was evolving fast as old-school Twilight fans and post-MeToo Twilight fans began revisiting this story through a thoroughly modern lens.
8: The Twilight fans that I connect with the most and who really get it are the ones that love it so much and, and hate it so much. Like, to love it is to truly despise it.
3: This is Elizabeth. And this is Elizabeth on TikTok.
8: Have you all ever thought about the timeline for the Twilight books? Because when I think about it, it stresses me out. So I'm here to stress you out, too. So much happens in these books that you'd be forgiven if you thought that they spanned years and years. But unfortunately, they don't even span two years.
3: As of the day we recorded this narration, Elizabeth's TikTok account, Twilight Talk, had 273,000 followers and 13.7 million likes.
8: I received the books as a gift, and I I was in graduate school at the time, and people were walking around my campus everywhere reading those books, and I said, I will not be reading those. I will not be doing that. And I read the first book in one night. I didn't have a choice. I completely lost my mind. I mean, within pages, I was like, this is not a joke anymore. <laughs> it happened immediately.
3: Are you comfortable saying what you were studying? Yeah. Is it no. 180 degrees from Twilight? It was
8: philosophy. <laughs>
3: What kind of
7: philosophy? German philosophy.
8: It, I mean, I, I was basically doing a PhD in critical thinking, right? And then... <laughs> which just makes it even more embarrassing.
3: All this happened a long time ago. And since then, Elizabeth has watched a shift happen in the way people who care about Twilight talk about Twilight.
8: The first time around, we loved it without a hint of irony or self-awareness. We loved it in a way that... There was no discourse. There was no reflection on, hey, this is a weird part of the story. Like, why did she give this certain character this background? Like, what's going on with this little baby? They're just the things that Edward does. Like, why does he watch her sleep? There's a lot of stuff in these books that is just crazy.
3: When we started talking to Twilight fans, our plan was to gently bring some of this stuff up. It turns out we didn't have to. They kept bringing it up because they're talking about it anyway. Lines in the Twilight films that make me cringe.
7: You imprinted on my daughter?
3: When TikTokers talk about Twilight being problematic, here's what they talk about.
9: If you are a fan of Twilight, this is what I learned today. Jasper was in the Confederate army. Civil war, right? He became a vampire during the Civil War.
8: And Bella's like, wow, you were in the Civil War. And there's not a single... Kind of like, oh, yeah, and I I might have been on the wrong side of that. Like, and I realize that's a super low bar, but we don't even get that. Could
3: have been so easy to put him on the other side. So
8: easy. What do you think the
9: main diet was for Southern vampires? It was slaves. The vampires ate slaves.
4: Interesting that
5: the character we love to hate the most is the only main character of color.
3: That character is Jacob Black played in the movies by Taylor Lautner. At the risk of upsetting Jacob's team, we know you're out there, I'm going to say this. Jacob is kind of a fall guy in these books. Whether or not he's a better person than Edward, he's ultimately just a complication who's there to keep the story going. Which is whatever, it's a romance novel, you need the werewolf guy to compete with the vampire guy. But Jacob, like all the werewolves in the book, is also Native American, and in playing up the contrast between these two love interests, Stephanie Meyer gets into some weird areas. The Cullens drive nice cars, they live in this fancy modern house, they're very aristocratic and very pale. Whereas Jacob and his extended family, while still very much on the good guy team in the story, are portrayed very differently.
8: They're depicted as very hot-headed and quick to anger, and, and they you know, morph into animals, um, it's not great.
2: This is more a critique of Stephanie than anything
5: else. But it's just something to notice and be aware of, I think, because they're real and weren't represented
2: super great within the fictional universe that Stephanie created.
3: Jacob and the other werewolves in the book belong to the Quileute tribe. That's a real tribe. Stephanie Meyer didn't make them up. But she does take literary license with some of their foundational cultural myths. And she portrays them as werewolves. Again, these aren't sketchy things about Twilight that everyone just ignores. If Twilight came out next week, it would be instantly mega-canceled for at least a dozen reasons, from trafficking in stereotypes to romanticizing toxic relationships. And reckoning with that reality is part of being a Twilight fan in 2022, especially on TikTok, where the user base skews younger and woker. At this point in history, this may be one of the things that bonds Twilight fans together. They're all working out how to feel about a story that compels them, but in many, many ways does not hold up.
8: It's the warm hug of problematic love.
3: Of course, there are also people in Twilight fandom who do not want to have these conversations. And who maybe don't want to share an internet with Twilight fans who do. The sad truth about going online and criticizing a thing a lot of people love is that the reaction is often determined by who's doing the criticizing.
9: Twilight characters I believe deserve better, part two. Coming in therapy of Jacob Black, Stephanie Meyer names him after a brother she doesn't like very much, then gives him every single negative native stereotype in the book, and then completely negates his character when she gives Bella something that he was
3: supposed this to This is Ajay Nolan. She described herself to us as a barista-slash-screenwriter-slash-actress, She's also a TikToker.
9: I was just pointing out that there are different narratives when it comes to Edward and Jacob. And so instead of people actually listening and realizing, oh, hey, I have contributed to this, they just went in defense mode and started sending me um, terrible comments. And then when that didn't work, they started uh, attacking my appearance and being anti-Black towards me. So that was fun. (laughs) I would get those comments telling me that the Quillute tribe has no um, qualms about how they were portrayed, that it's just a book, like it's not that serious. And then I would scroll my For You page and I would see a white creator saying the exact same thing I just said in my video. And instead of being met with criticism, they're being told, wow, thank you so much for giving me this information. Yes, Twilight isn't, you know the Emily Bronte book of, you know, our generation. It's just a book about vampires and shapeshifters, but it has had an impact on millions of people and it has had an impact on a tribe that it demonized. So to to act as if it doesn't go deeper than what's written on the page is very ignorant.
3: When I first met Ajay, she was standing outside a pancake breakfast in Forks with a group of friends she knew from TikTok. They'd just met in person for the first time.
2: This girl's, like,
4: very good at educating. For me, I kind of grew up with a lot of internalized racism because of Twilight.
3: One of them was Jasmine Juarez, a TikToker who'd come all the way from Minnesota to Northwest Washington to hang out with her online Twilight friends, including Ajay. Jasmine said Ajay was an inspiration.
4: Like, I felt ashamed of being Mexican because I thought you had to be, like, super pale and white to find your Edward Colin. But honestly, after seeing Ajay on TikTok, I learned a lot about myself and, like, I accept myself a lot more. And that's why I, you know, I can be a Mexican Bella Swan. I never thought that was possible, but I, it is. And it really came from her. Nice.
3: <laughs> Ajay, how does that feel to hear that? Say it out loud.
9: Uh, uh no, I. I'm sorry. That's. Mm, no, it's. uh I'm gonna try really hard not to be emotional right now. <laughs> no, that's that means a lot to me because it's like I'm just I'm just a random person online. Like I just, I like to make fun and I like to have fun. But like just knowing that it meant something to someone because I'm not trying. Like I said to cancel Twilight. I'm just saying let's be critical of the the media we consume.
4: I'm very grateful that we have people like her in the fandom because it's important to learn about these things. So.
8: No, I'm serious. Like You really did change my life a lot. No, you're so, so cute. No, I love
5: that. I'm so happy.
9: Yes, you are the, mo- you are the most beautiful guys. I,
5: mm-hmm. so I know. Excited.
9: I almost cried there. I was like, no, I can't cry. No, I'm probably going to cry later. <laughs> that's okay. Probably. It's cool. No,
5: but yeah, that's
3: Ajay told us later that after this conversation with Jasmine, she'd reposted some of her more controversial TikTok videos. Clips that she'd deleted after being bombarded with negative comments.
9: Her comment made me feel like I had a a duty to not let myself be bullied off the app and bullied into not talking about things that make people uncomfortable.
3: This is a kind of toxicity that's not limited to online fandom, although it does seem to flourish in any community where you can hide behind a screen name. Like any fandom, Twilight fandom is not perfect, but it has become a space where difficult conversations about Twilight can happen, led by fans who believe that part of taking Twilight seriously is seeing it clearly in all its complications. This is what is so fascinating about modern day Twilight fandom to me. Here's this group of people, mostly young women and girls, who were mocked and sometimes bullied by their peers, and sometimes even by their friends. But they were also mocked by the culture at large, by comedians and late-night talk show hosts, by the people, mostly men, who controlled the cultural narrative back then, and saw Twilight fans as teeny boppers blinded by their obsession with a cute, sparkly vampire. An unreasoning mass of screaming girls whose viewpoint couldn't possibly be worth taking seriously but it's the teen girls that were the strong ones. The Twihards as a fandom mostly haven't allowed years of bullying to turn them into bullies. Instead, they're having sophisticated, self-critical conversations amongst themselves. They're not canceling Twilight because parts of it don't reflect their values. They're working through an obligation to acknowledge those issues, and they're creating a real-world community that encourages and inspires its members to be better and do better. Even if you can't get down with sexy vampires, we could all learn a thing or two from Team Twilight about how to love something without denying its flaws. Next time on The Big Hit Show... What does it take to almost crash a billion-dollar franchise before it's even gotten off the ground? Did you really have Bella blowing away vampires with a shotgun? Probably. Sure. It's badass.
0: I mean, where else are you going to go? I mean, like they wanted stuff to happen.
3: And then how do you revive it? Assemble a dream team to make it and turn it into the biggest box office smash
2: ever. I said, I wanna do this. I wanna see if I can actually capture this feeling of ecstasy that you feel in the book on film. It's a challenge, you know? And so they went for it.
3: I'll give you a hint, and the lawyers are not gonna like it.
1: The negotiated language says, no actor playing a vampire will have canine incisors longer than those found in the average human being.
3: From Higher Ground, this is the Big Hit Show. It's written and hosted by me, Alex Papadimus, and produced by Western Sound. Colin McNulty is our showrunner. Producers are Sabrina Fang, Lori Galaretta, and Taylor Jones. Our production assistant is Stella Hartman. Alex McGuinness is our composer, sound designer, and mix engineer. Savannah Wright is our fact checker. Our theme is composed by Dan Leone. The executive producer is Ben Adair. Executive producers for Higher Ground are Dan Fearman, Anna Holmes, Mukta Mohan, and Janae Marable. Executive producers for Spotify are Daniel Eck, Don Ostroff, Courtney Holt, and Julie McNamara. Special thanks to Joe Paulson, Eric Spiegelman, and Jenna Levin.
0: Hold up.